0: And we're back with more of the Pope on Film.
1: Funny, Yes? If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? In this day and age, T-Poff is sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans who have been with us since day one, would know two facts about us. Two undeniably real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest will they or won't they couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the undeniable fact that when you're not doing this podcast, you, Bunny, are the CEO of a brand new company that's doing very well right now. So tell us, Bunny, about your very successful company. Uh we
0: have quickly become the national leader. Basically, we saw a need that wasn't filled. So becoming yeah. a national leader was more for lack of competition, but we are the national leaders in turtle polishing.
1: Nice. Turtle
0: polishing and manicure. Uh, we are
1: Huh? It's an upstart business.
0: It's an upstart business and it has taken off. Everybody everybody uh is is behind the philosophy of the company and they understand that uh we are there to make turtles as attractive as possible. Um, as as basically you, you know like Offerings, offerings to Poseidon, basically. Yeah. You know, because I'm begging every god in sight that we don't all die. <laughs>
1: Understandable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so polishing a couple of turtles, sending them off to 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 Poseidon. Um, people see the need people see yeah. the need and again they get behind the philosophy of the company um which is basically if we're not going to do anything to save them they might as well look good going out which is our overall philosophy for for everybody you know so you know get your hair done we we specialize okay we specialize in turtles but there are franchise opportunities for other animals and humans are animals. You know, yeah. We, yeah. we should all look if nobody's going to save us and we're all going to die.
1: Yeah, we
0: should all look good on the way out.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. Your business is going places. Yes. Going up, up, up yes and the but, second
0: but again but again we specialize in turtles yes okay for yes. us it's all about the turtles and it's not a joke no
1: seriously people it's not a joke like the Snuggy. this is not like the snuggie yeah Uh I think you should leave reference. It's a wonderful show on Netflix starring Tim Robinson. Everyone should be watching it. I'm obsessed. Really? What's it called? I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. The episodes are only 15 minutes long. Season one is on Netflix right now. Season two is about to come out. And I have become obsessed with this show. And I quote it all of the time. I am obsessed.
0: You are taking the helm on this, aren't you?
1: Yes. Yes. I just
0: realized I got to put my mouse all over there because I just realized that I just keep I just have a habit
1: of fidgeting with it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. I'll be I'll be taking control of this. Yeah. And the second thing you would know about me is that I'm a big fan of this podcast. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what we do at this part of the podcast is I get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know that well. And I reword it a little bit uh, via my own unique storytelling style. And that is what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Didn't- Or Shap, as I like to call it repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short, but it's quite endearing. It's the Warwick Davis of podcast segment. Yes, it is. Anywho, this week on the old Shapity Shap Shap, we will be talking about one of the most incredible stories we have ever done on this Shap. It's the true story of an old-timey Wild West train robber from the late 1800s who died in the early 1900s, who somehow inexplicably also worked with director Dwayne Esper, B-movie filmmaker and producer David F. Freeman, and most notoriously, TV's Lee Majors, before <laughs> officially ended in 1977. And you might ask yourself, wait a second, how does an old-timey bank robber born in 1880 find himself on the set of The Million Dollar Man? Well, it is one of the most unbelievable stories that we have ever shapped on shap, and I couldn't be more excited. I have become obsessed with this story. I saw a lecture about this story. I saw two documentaries about this story, read a full-sized nonfiction book about the life of this person, and even traveled to the grave. This chap has consumed me. And words cannot express how excited I am to do this. A lot of the stories that you will find online about this person starts at the end and then backtracks to the beginning and then tells you the story of how you got to the beginning. So a lot of stories about this person start on the set of TV's The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. But my... Telling of the story will not start on the set of The Six Million Dollar Man. We're starting at the beginning. And when we come to the end, we'll stop. (laughs) The man in question was named Elmer J. McCurdy. Elmer J. McCurdy was both the worst wild west bandit ever and also the bandit with the longest most successful career i clicked it okay you so it. You it. okay okay good i've never done this before it's exciting elmer mccurdy was born in maine in the year 1880. And his mom was an unmarried 17-year-old girl who didn't know who the father was, but it may have been uh, her cousin Charles who was the father, but anyway... Elmer had a really hard life, a rough childhood, all of his family members died. The way that the way that it happened was, okay. so Elmer was born to a 17 year old girl who didn't know who the father was. But the father might have been her own cousin who raped her. And it was a big scandal. So what she decided was, hey, I've got uh, I've got a sister Uh, And she's married, and she has a good family. So uh, the mother gave birth to Elmer and then immediately gave Elmer to her sister, and they raised Elmer up as if Elmer was their own until eventually Elmer the child got to an age where it's like, hi, it's me, your fun aunt. Um, Fun fact, I'm your mom. Yeah and your mom and dad are actually your aunt and uncle but it's okay i'm here now and i'm going to take care of you and everything's going to be fine oh wait it's still wild west time i'm dead now Okay. then it's like okay well mother and father who are not my real mother and father you can take care of me. I'm very sad that my mother is dead, but you are going to take care of me now. And my fake father's dead and my fake mom is dead. And now I'm all alone. The Wild West time sucks. So by the time Elmer McCurdy was a teen, uh, he was drinking heavily. His family members have all died in various ways. And, and uh, this is important. All of his family members are dead. Put a pin on that. Shap is single-handedly saving the pin industry with all of the pins that we uh, put on things. But uh, eventually, uh, Elmer McCurdy is traveling across America working odd jobs uh, that he would never hold on to because of his alcoholism. He's traveling all across America. And and, uh, when you think about that, when you think about Elmer McCurdy, Uh, hitching a ride on a train and traveling to some town he's never heard of and finding an odd job and staying there for maybe three months, six months, and then getting fired and hopping the rails to another place. You might think of all these hobos with bindles riding the rails, but at the time, Uh, jobs are becoming modernized and everything's becoming automated and a lot of people are out of work. And apparently during this period in time, a lot of what you would call hobos were highly educated, sometimes college educated people that just couldn't find a job and have no money and have no home. So they're just hopping a train, going somewhere else, hoping they can start another life. Yeah. So it's interesting to, to think of all of these hobos riding the rails in like 1903, 1905, and they're all the most educated people you can think of. Yeah. And they're just looking for a job. I find that interesting. He's shoveling coal in a mine. He's, he's working all over the place, doing all these odd jobs. Then eventually he's had enough of it. So in 1907, Elmer McCurdy joins the army. He stays there for three years until he is dishonor—he's honorably discharged in 1910. But while he's in the army, he gets a rudimentary training in using nitroglycerin for demolition purposes. Another important thing—I hope you have multiple pins. <laughs> Put a pin on that too. So you have pinned two things. All of his family members are dead, and a a rudimentary training in using nitroglycerin. So it's 1910, he's out of the Army, he's traveling America again by rails, looking for any sort of job, and he runs into an old Army buddy, and now he's in Oklahoma, and uh, he's hanging out with this friend of his from the Army, and it looks like they may have been thinking about a life of crime while they were hanging out, because in November of 1910, Elmer and his friend are arrested with a ton of burglary paraphernalia. They've got lock picking tools. They've got explosive. They've got chisels. They've got hacksaws. And I'm assuming since it's like 1910 that they also had big burlap sacks with dollar signs on them. Yes. Yeah for putting over their shoulder and sneaking. Uh, but our boy Elmer convinces a jury that, uh, oh, yes, well, I know this looks bad, but actually, let me tell you what I was doing with those tools. <laughs> you, you think that they're uh, burglary tools, very funny. I'm actually an inventor. And let me tell you what I'm working on. I am working on a foot-operated machine gun.
0: Okay. Hey
1: That's why I had all of that burglary paraphernalia. Foot-operated machine gun. It's really going to change the world. And apparently a jury said, good enough for me, set him free. So Elmer is freed and decides, well, that's it. I'm starting a life of crime. With my skills in the art of nitroglycerin, I will become an unstoppable criminal mastermind, nay, a criminal juggernaut. Well, Elmer McCurdy was not a successful criminal. Uh, He gets a crew together, and in March of 1911, he robs a train, okay? He hijacks it at gunpoint. And he's like, okay, put them up. Stick them up. Put your hands in the air. You're being robbed by the new gang in town because they heard that a train would be traveling by with a safe containing $4,000 in cash. And it's 1911, so who knows yeah. how much that is? A lot. So Elmer stops the train. He finds the safe. And basically, Elmer's like, OK. So we found the safe. Inside of this, $4,000 will be rich. With my amazing nitroglycerin skills that I learned from professionals in the Army, I will easily open the safe. And we will be rich. So the nitroglycerin didn't go off. And Elmer and his crew are forced to make off with $150 in coins that just happened to be outside of the (laughs) safe. Great! Great job, Elmer! You really are just the best criminal out there. Yeah. So... uh, Good job. You robbed a train at gunpoint. You became a wanted man. All for $150. In change. (laughs) Not a successful criminal. Then in another train robbery, he hears of another safe with thousands of dollars in it. And he's like, don't worry, boys. With my nitroglycerin expertise, which I learned in the army, from demolition experts. I'll blow this safe wide open. This time, he didn't make the same mistake as last time. Uh, The nitroglycerin did go off. He did end up using a bit too much nitroglycerin. The entire safe exploded, and with it, all of the money inside. Yes. His crew left that time with $400 in change. Wow! Elmer McCurdy! The Quarter Bandit. Yes. That's what a successful career of crime. Uh, Our boy is not the next Billy the Kid. Not by a long shot. You might be wondering how this putz in 1911 ends up on the set of the 1967 B-movie film She Freak. We'll get to that. Okay. We will get to that. Or the television show, The Six Million Dollar Man. We will get there. Okay, pounding hounding me. <laughs> Jeez. So anyway, uh, Elmer McCurdy's life is about to take an unexpected turn. We're almost there. So it's October 4th, 1911. Elmer McCurdy is still in Oklahoma with his crew, which will come into play at the end. So again, put a pin on that. Put a pin on that. So, Elmer McCurdy and his boys hear of yet another train. This one, he's pretty sure is going to be his Lufthansa heist. Okay. Because they heard of a train making, transporting a royalty payment to the Osage nation to the tune of $400,000. In 1912? That was a lot back then. Shit! $400,000 in 1911? Goddamn! So Elmer and his crew decide to rob the train. So okay, boys, let's get our guns. I've got my nitroglycerin, which has worked so well up until now. This is gonna be great. So they go and rob the train. Wow! they rob a train. Okay. It's the wrong train. They accidentally rob a regular old passenger train. And instead of uh, $400,000, oh, I looked this up, adjusted for inflation that would have been an $11 million. So Elmer and his crew walk away with... A jacket. The train conductor's watch. Two big-ass jugs of whiskey. And $46. And that's it. Okay. A newspaper conductor would call it the smallest robbery in the history of trains. Oh, man. So, Elmer... Elmer is a success, and he's definitely made the papers. Everyone's looking for the small time bandit who only got away. <laughs> watch a jacket, some whiskey, and forty six bucks. Good job! You've made every paper from 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 uh, from C to signing C because you're so freaking bad at this.
0: And then the I, I, I would out. really have expected him to to
1: do better.
0: The no, no. Time we were,
1: around. He was horrible. We haven't even gotten to the good part yet. He was the worst. Okay, so Elmer is hiding out in the barn of a friend's ranch in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And he's like, Man, they know who I am. Someone someone knows who I am. Dang it. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna hide out in this barn. They'll never find me here. I'm just gonna wait here until the heat dies down. Well. What am I going to do while I'm waiting here? Fuck it. I got all this whiskey. I'm going to start drinking like a motherfucker. So he's drinking like crazy in in a bar in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And the next morning, he learns the hard way that there's a $2,000 bounty on his head because early the next day, he wakes up still drunk to gunshots from a massive posse. A four-hour-long gunfight ensues, and afterwards, on October seventh, nineteen eleven, Elmer McCurdy was shot dead. America's absolute worst train robber, a comically inept train robber, the best worst train robber of all, the Tommy Wee So of train robbers, yeah. <laughs> is shot dead. He is absolutely. One definitely, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% dead. And here's where the story gets good. Okay. No way done with this, because Elmer McCurdy's life doesn't just end because he's dead. Okay. So this is where the story gets good. I'm super excited. Now comes the good stuff. It's 1911. Elmer McCurdy is shot dead. What are we going to do? We got to take him to the Undertaker. So back then you had Undertakers. And what would happen was, oh, look, somebody is dead. We're just going to pick up the body, take it to the Undertaker. And the Undertaker would roll his eyes, say rest in peace, and then go fight his brother Kane. I think this joke is super fucking cute. (laughs) I think it's adorable. Okay. So the undertaker has the body, and what they would do is, okay, I'm going to keep you, I'm assuming, uh, here in a pile until the family arrives. I'm not going to do a funeral for you until I get paid. So I'm just going to hold the body here and keep it here until a family member shows up, claims the body, then I bury you, do the funeral, and then the family pays me. So, um... well, 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 you are going to want to do
0: some minor things here. Like, it's not going to hurt to put them in a box, you know, because you're still you're still trying to sell your services. So if you if you have them like set up like, okay, all we have to do is makeup and things like that. You know, what religion are you? That kind of stuff. You know, it's easier to
1: sell your product that way. I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying. Back then, back then, you'd say, so one religion was the deceased. Just kidding. There's one religion in the Wild West, Scientology. (laughs) So the problem here is, The Undertaker, a man named Joe Johnson is holding Elmer McCurdy's body, waiting for family to show up. Hey, it's time to unpin that thing I had you pin, because Elmer McCurdy's family and relatives are all dead. No one comes to claim the body of Elmer McCurdy. So as undertakers would sometimes do, undertaker Joe Johnson embalms the body, embalms it with, uh, back then they used an arsenic-based type of embalming fluid that they don't use anymore. But back then, it would do a really good job of preserving the body for a very,
0: very long
1: time. Then Joe Johnson...
0: Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I really got to wonder, because that's that's interesting as hell. So, like, is it possible that Undertakers of that time would, would go nuts? Possibly. Like, but... like hatters, like the chemicals that hatters yeah. used. Yeah. Therefore, the mad hatter. That was a
1: common kind of a thing. You just came up with a plot for America's first Wild West slasher film. <laughs> it's an 80s slasher film. An 1880s slasher film. Yeah. Set in the Wild West, the Undertaker's using chemicals to preserve the bodies that makes them go insane, and he starts slashing people, but it's also set in the Wild West. I can see this whole movie. <laughs> I'm going to focus on it because Elmer McCurdy's life has just started. So, uh... as would happen like okay so this person in the wild west is dead but also it's the wild west it takes a long time for news to travel from for a relative to hear about a death and to come over who knows how long i'm going to keep this body and bodies are gross so i embalm it so that it stays in perfect condition for six months eight months three months a year until family comes and claims him so joe johnson preserves the body using an arsenic based type of embalming fluid shaves him gives him a haircut and stores the body in the back room with all the other dead dead beats but uh a week passes a month passes two month passes and a lot of people are starting to ask like oh hello local undertaker oh joe johnson hey joe johnson how are you doing good uh you got any uh funerals planned today hey 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 come here. come here come here come here um do you i i heard from someone who heard from someone do you have elmer mccurdy here <laughs> the Basement. that dumbass who died stealing 46 bucks can we go see him can we i want to look at the body can we look at the body i'll, I'll give you i'll give you two bits I'll pay for a drink at the saloon. Anything. Just let me let me see the body. So many people ask to see the body of Elmer McCurdy that Joe Johnson the undertaker is like I don't know if anyone's going to come claim this idiotic dumbass train robber and I got to make my money some way. So Joe Johnson goes into business. Hello. Okay. Oh, oh no, serious. Hello. I am Joe Johnson the 1900s undertaker of Pawhuska, Oklahoma. Here at Joe Johnson's Undertaker Services, we offer sincere, heartfelt funeral services to help you say goodbye to your dearly departed loved one and for just one nickel you can visit the corpse of elmer mccurdy the embalmed bandit that just refused to give up the oklahoma outlaw the mystery man of many aliases you're gonna love this and you (laughs) look look what i did look this will be fun i thought this would be fun just for a laugh a bit of gallows humor you pay by putting your nickel in the corpse's mouth you see what i did i opened up just put the coin right in there. It's going to be a bunch of fun. Yeah, come on down. Bring the kids. So Elmer McCurdy becomes a very popular tourist attraction in Oklahoma. And the story goes, as the story goes, uh, this is less the history of Elmer McCurdy and more uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not story of Elmer McCurdy, but that's goes apparently joe johnson had kids one day they're bored and uh so they steal the corpse dress it up here's a bonnet here's a boa they put roller skates on elmer's corpse and pushed him around the house all weekend at bernie's like okay Elmer mccurdy's having fun with kids Riding roller skates? He's a tourist attraction. He's already more successful in death than he was at life. So <laughs> Elmer McCurdy has become a super, super popular moneymaker for Joe Johnson. For five years, people from all over the country come to see the body of Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy is so popular that a bunch of people start visiting. Hi, how you doing? I'm a yeah. carny. I heard about your uh, your business you got going here. It's a pretty sweet racket. How much are you uh, willing to sell the body for? I think uh, I've got a traveling carnival. I could really use the Oklahoma outlaw. And a lot of circus folk, carny, shifty people are coming to see The Undertaker offering a ton of money to buy the corpse of Elmer McCurdy. But The Undertaker was having none of it. And he was all like, look, I certainly am making a surprising amount of money with this uh, corpse, but I cannot sell you the corpse because at my heart, I am still an undertaker, good sir. And I will continue to keep this corpse until a family member comes to claim it. So in 1916, two men who claimed to be Elmer McCurdy's brothers show up. Hello, yes, we are Elmer McCurdy's. Long lost brothers. I am Barb and this is Star. Whatever. I'm Rosencrantz and this is Gildin Stern. Yes. We're long lost brothers of Elmer McCurdy. What's our names? Who gives a shit? I'm Ed. This is Bella. It it doesn't matter at this point. I'm Starsky. This is Hutch. Starsky and Hutch McCurdy, we've come to claim the body. We're finally here to give our b- brother a proper. We're, we're taking the body. We're gonna take it to Maine, where he was born, and we're gonna give him a proper burial on the family's plot. And apparently Joe Johnson, the Undertaker, said, Fucking good enough. Here's your corpse. And gives these two guys Elmer McCurdy's corpse. Bunny, you're not gonna believe this. Mind blown. Hold on to your hat. Hold on to your hold on to your top hat, my friend. They weren't related to Elmer McCurdy. I know what you're thinking. You're like, what? But yeah, they were in fact two conniving carnies. And just like that, Elmer McCurdy becomes a fixture of the traveling carnival circuit. First appearing as the main attraction of a carnival in West Texas before literally traveling all throughout the continental United States billed as the legendary outlaw who would never be captured alive. McCurdy was the king of the traveling carnival circuit throughout the rest of the 1910s and throughout 1920 until 1922 when he was purchased by the Museum of Crime. And how amazing is this, that Elmer McCurdy, one of the most failed Wild West bandits of all time, is now at the Museum of Crime on his own display right next to Billy the Frickin' Kid. How incredible is that? That here's Billy the Kid, and here's Elmer McCurdy. It's like, hello and welcome to the Museum of the Academy Awards. Here we salute all of the greatest directors. Here is a look at the life of Kurosawa. Here is the director of Burdemic. All directors are great. So yeah, isn't it amazing? He's much more successful in death than in life. Yes. And the Museum of History carried on the tradition. Cat, stop it! Stop it! Stop! What are you doing? Stop moving the camera! Stop it! Oh my goodness! Stop! Please! This is hilarious, but only to me, not to the fans. Thank you. Um. So the Museum of of uh, Death. The Museum of Crime, sorry, the Museum of Crime carried the Joe Johnson tradition. And it's like, hey, we've propped Elmer McCurdy's mouth open. Feel free to put some coins in. It's like a really macabre fountain. Yes, yeah. need to throw change into the corpse's mouth, kids. And uh, that's also important to put a pin on that. Elmer McCurdy had an incredible life after death. In 1928, there was a trans-American foot race. It was a literal foot race. It started in LA and ended in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Basically, it was a Forrest Gump race. And the people behind the race had a traveling sideshow to accompany the race. And who was the star of the sideshow? Elmer McCurdy. How incredible is this man's life? I am blown away by all of this. So then, after the race, a, the, a director, a movie director says, hey, that's, uh, that's a pretty nice corpse you got there. Maybe I could use that. So after the race, a filmmaker purchases the corpse. One Mr. Dwayne Esper, the director of such B-movie grindhouse films as Narcotic, Maniac, Sex Madness, Marijuana, the weed with roots in hell, and a short entitled How to Undress in Front of Your Husband, which we discussed years ago. Yes. Years ago. Yes, yes. It was a, it was a, it was a homework, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Dwayne asper was one of those early grindhouse people where it's like, first, we're going to graphically show a woman give birth. But then she smokes a little bit of marijuana. Then she goes insane. Then she takes all of her clothes off. And then her friends start taking all of their clothes off. So they're making out naked. And then the woman goes down on the other woman. And the the Hollywood people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's 1931. You can't show any of this. What what the fuck are you thinking? And then Dwayne says, wait, 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 wait. I've got an angle. It's an educational film. Yes. And Hollywood says, good enough for us. This is pre-Hays Code. So how wide are we going to spread the vagina open? (laughs) So that was basically Dwayne Esper. So Dwayne Esper just filmed the 1933 movie Narcotic, which you see above us. And as was the style of the time. Uh, narcotic was a traveling road show kind of thing. So uh, there's only one copy of the movie. Dwayne Esworth is traveling from city to city, putting on a show, putting a big display in the front. Illegal drug traffic exposed. Come and see this movie for two weeks only. Played for five weeks in Poughkeepsie. So he's traveling with this movie. Uh, and what he did was in the lobby, he displayed. The corpse of Elmer McCurdy in the lobby of every theater that played this movie on the way to the theater would be the corpse of of uh, Elmer McCurdy. He died in 1911. It's 1933. <laughs> and he's in the lobby of theater showing narcotic. And Dwayne Esper came up with an all-new backstory for our boy Elmer. And the sign that would accompany the corpse read, Oh! Here is the body of a, give me a second, oh, a dead dope fiend who robbed a drugstore to support his habit. And people all across America uh, are now seeing uh, Elmer McCurdy's body in movie theaters. But here's the thing. Uh, Elmer McCurdy died in 1911. It's 1933 now. The body is starting to get wrinkly, The body is starting to get a bit rubbery, a bit powdery. His face is all wrinkled and old. The hands are a little bit uh, shriveled. And people are like, why? the? Okay, so this is the body of a dead dolphin. You've got a body of a dead dolphin here. Number one, this body looks fake. Number two, uh, what the hell is up with his face? What's up with his face? But... (laughs) Dwayne Esper, being a first-class liar, said, well, yes, of course, the face looks wrinkly, uh, almost mummified, and uh, of course, that is because, give me a second, uh, that's what opium and weed does to your body, ladies and gentlemen, so don't do drugs and stay in school. And people believed him. And so... uh, Now, uh, the body of Elmer McCurdy is the body of a dead dope fiend, so throughout the 1930s and the 40s, the body goes here, the body goes there, and Elmer McCurdy is still making money and different people buy the body, and slowly but surely throughout time, the story of Elmer McCurdy gets forgotten. Because, oh, this person comes up with a new story. This person comes up with a new story. This person comes up with a new story. By the time Dwayne Esper sells the body of Elmer McCurdy, he doesn't know who Elmer McCurdy is. Oh, this is our dead dope fiend. I'm done with him. I'm not doing that movie now. I'm going to start doing How to Undress in Front of Your Husband movies. You can take them. done with it. So now this person says, oh, I've got the body of a dope fiend. Okay, what can we do with that? And so the story keeps getting lost. By 1949, the body has seen better days. Uh, Once, at one point in time, while the body was being transferred from owner to owner, apparently a businessman, as a joke, removed Elmer's arm and chased their secretary with it around the office. Okay. Then later, uh, part of an ear falls off. Then the hair slowly starts falling out over time, and then it starts shrinking as everybody does, as as corpses do. In 1949, the body goes into storage and stays there until 1964. Uh, So excited about this. Okay. So the current owner of Elmer McCurdy has a son Okay. The son's Dan and Dan wants to get into Hollywood. So the current owner of Elmer McCurdy's son uh lends the corpse. Is so 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 the current the current owner of Elmer McCurdy has a son, the son wants to get into the Hollywood scene. So he's like, Hey, uh, I'm going to a Hollywood party. Hey, how are you? How are you? Oh, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, my name is Dan. I want to get into the movies. Uh, Hey, Oh, you know, a director. We're going to go to his house. Okay. Hey, what are you? So anyway, this guy, Dan, the son of the current owner of Elmer McCurdy uh, wants to get into the Hollywood business so much that he meets a B movie producer. And they're about to make a a cheapo horror film. Yeah. And the owner of Elmer McCurdy's son says, I've got a a spooky corpse. Do you want it? And and lends Elmer McCurdy to this B-movie producer. The B-movie producer is named David F. Friedman, the producer of such films as Blood Feast. 2,000 Maniacs, the Acid Eaters, the adult version of Jekyll and Hyde, Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, and more. And this is how Elmer McCurdy, who was born in 1880, makes a brief appearance in the 1967 horror movie, (laughs) She-Freak!
0: I don't know if I have heard of this movie
1: well, I watched it twice for this freaking podcast, yeah, I it, looks, did. it looks right oh, about shit. the
0: same time of a
1: uh,
0: cannibal mutants who were yeah not dead and turned
1: out to be mixed up yeah. zombies. yeah, a uh, blood feast type of shit. yeah, oh, we'll yeah. get. We will get to that movie. We will get there. We will get there. That's a part of this too. Yeah. but just wait. so oh, she freak, it's a cheap. 60s, unofficial remake of the classic Universal movie Freaks. Except it's all carnies and hardly any freaks at all. Okay. But it's set in the world of traveling carnivals and freak shows. It was filmed with a budget of $75,000. And it was shot on location in California. The opening shots are, are of the California State Fair in the 1960s. And then the a rest... popular of- shot. Yeah, and the rest of the film was shot on location at the Kern County Fair in Bakersfield, California. I saw the film twice for this podcast. It's got a real swinging 1960s surf rock soundtrack. You know, all of the 1960s films are just like, just get a young person, make them play the guitar. It'll be fine. Like, I half expected uh, Arch Hall to show up and just be... It's basically, the movie She-Freak is basically a a cheap redneck 1967 ripoff of a 1932 classic with a lot of uh, montages used as fillers. Anywho, I saw the entire movie twice, and I never saw a dead body. So I was starting to doubt the story of Elmer McCurdy being in the movie She-Freak. But I think I figured it out. I think what I I think I figured out why I didn't see the body of Elmer McCurdy in this movie. This is a cheap grindhouse film from 1967. You know how they edit those things? Yeah. You know, we need to give it a new title for this city. In this city, we need to lose this one scene. Hey, I filmed some more. We need to put it in. Hey, we're going to rent it out to these people, but it's going to be as a double feature, so we need to shorten the length. We're going to cut all this scenes out. And so, yeah, back in the day, you know, there are multiple edits of the film and multiple lengths, and I think that the main version of She Freak that's out there right now is just the version without a corpse in it okay because throughout the movie they keep showing a spook house from afar but they never go into the spook house so i'm assuming that there are other versions of this movie where they do go into the spook house there are a few quick cuts in the film where i think ah there was a cut right there there was probably more and so i think that that they're, the yeah. freak out there right now it just doesn't have elmer mccurdy in it but anyway elmer mccurdy is really going places post post-death and uh next his corpse is sold to a group of canadians who were doing a show at mount rushmore and oh my god okay so this is what these two canadians did it's like oh we sold it we we purchased this corpse in california and now we need to transport it to around mount rushmore they tie the corpse to the top of the car like Aunt Edna in National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, nice. So what a goddamn Christmas tree. So, so yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, this is Elmer McCurdy we're talking about. So, of course, they ended up driving through a dangerous windstorm. Yeah. Now Elmer McCurdy is missing some fingers, a few toes. It's getting to be a pretty janky corpse. At one point in time, someone owns the corpse, and they're like, okay, we need to prop it up, so we're going to – it'll be fine. We're just going to nail it to this – we're just going to – here, we'll we'll put this rod through the neck, and once they do that, all of this yellow, stinky pus starts coming out of the neck of the corpse. "Uh, Because it's still a corpse. You're drilling a hole through it to make it stick to the wall like it's still a corpse bro real yeah. gross it's becoming a janky corpse so elmer mccurdy passes from owner to owner throughout america until finally the body ends up at the pike the pike was a pier in Long Beach, California, right on the pier. It opened in 1902, and it closed in 1979. They had rides. They had an arcade, a tattoo parlor, uh, some bars for drinking, an old wooden roller coaster, and a dark ride. The Laugh in the Dark Fun House. And Elmer McCurdy is perfect. Owner and they say, Oh, this is pretty spooky, I guess. Uh, how much you buy it for? I guess that's good. Just uh, uh oh man, people are gonna think this is a fake corpse when it's a real corpse. Here, just hang it up on the wall. Here, just put a noose on it. We'll just put a noose on this corpse, hang them up, there you go, and we'll leave it. And so that is where the body stays. Hanging by a noose in the dark, ride. Oh, people can barely see him. And so they spray paint the body orange oh and the body's just hanging there for from the roof and uh that's where he stays and he stays there for so long that people just sort of forget this is a fun house at a In Long Island, they don't keep adequate records of, hey, this one thing that looks fake is actually real and it's a corpse and we bought it from this person who bought it from this person. And there are many owners and many managers throughout the years and people just forget about this thing hanging from the wall. Cut to December 1976. And one of the hottest TV shows there is is The Six Million Dollar Man starring Lee Majors. Yes. It's season five of The Six Million Dollar Man, and they're filming an episode 20 entitled Carnival of Spies. Fun fact, the episode is available in its entirety on Peacock and right now on NBC.com. I watched the entire episode for this, chap. I watched it twice. Oh, my God. I... (laughs) idea that later in the show Lee Majors had a thin creepo mustache. It's like, oh my god, somewhere out there, John Waters' upper lip is freezing. (laughs) That's the fucking mustache that the six million dollar man has in this episode. It's ridiculous. A lot of were filmed at the Pike in Long Beach. If you were filming some cheap TV show, some cheap movie, you needed a boardwalk, you needed something. Well, shit, let's go on over to the Pike because in, it closed in 1979. In the 40s and 50s, it was pretty popular. In the 60s, it started to get janky. In the 70s, there was hardly anybody there. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of things were filmed there, including a little film with a short title, you may have heard of it. It's called "The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed-Up Zombies." Okay. It was filmed, it was filmed at this amusement park, and you can see the Laugh in the Dark amusement park in the the this ride in the film. But Elmer McCurdy does not appear in that film. Oh. But it was filmed where Elmer McCurdy was. So okay. So okay. So so basically,
0: I, 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 nobody knows what this thing is anymore. It's basically just a prop, and now it's fucking spray painted orange. Yeah. yeah. Like it, so it can't look like. It, yeah, it can't look real at all
1: anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. This story is freaking amazing. And on one hand, I think, how come no one has made a movie about this? And on the other hand, oh, wait, 75% of the movie would just be starring a dead body. I can kind of see why no one has made this into a movie yet. (laughs) You know, like starring Johnny Depp. You'll love him as he decomposes. Like, okay, I can kind of tell why they haven't made a movie on Elmer McCurdy yet. So, okay. So they're filming season five, episode 20, entitled Carnival of Spies in Color. Uh, in this episode, a German scientist slash spy slash generic 1970s bad guy arrives in America for a scientific conference. He disappears and he hides out where? At a traveling carnival. And the TV show decides to film like 70% of the episode at the Pike in Long Beach, California. They're filming a scene where Colonel Steve Austin is chasing a bad guy through the lap in the dark funhouse. So okay, they've got the lights on, they're putting up the, the dolly, they're setting up the camera, they're getting all set up, okay. Let's get the cranes in here for the lights. We're doing the lights and all of this. We gotta get ready, and damn it, okay. What's the problem, Mike? Oh, well, we're trying to get these lights up here, but there's a damn mannequin hiding, hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> There's there's a fake there's a fake body in the way. I don't know what we're supposed to do. And someone says, look, this mannequin's in the way, move the mannequin. If you need to move the mannequin, move the mannequin. Okay, we can always put it back. So a grip or a gopher gets a ladder, climbs up the ladder. He 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 touches the body and he's like, it's light. It feels like paper mache at this yeah. point. And he's like, Oh yeah, this is totally fake. Here, let me try and tug it. I'm having a hard time moving the body. Let me just grab an arm. Let me just grab an arm. He <laughs> grabs the arm. It comes off. Yeah. And he, he looks expecting to see emptiness inside. Yeah. Uh, what he sees is bone and skin. Yeah. And, oh, look at that! A yellow, stinky, pussy substance is now dripping, and it's all over me, and holy shit, this isn't a mannequin, it's a dead fucking body. Oh my god. Oh my god, I love this story so much. So so they're talking now, they're talking now, what do we do? A mummified corpse is in the is in the fun house, so they call the police. The police come. The police go up the ladder. They're looking at the body and they go, "Okay, it looks fake from afar. It's painted orange for Pete's sake, but okay." But also, uh, look at this arm. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a body. And uh, the police noted that the skin, if it was paper, it would have just ripped off. But instead, the 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 skin look like shredded beef. Okay. So I guess like okay, I'm gonna pull this off and it's gonna come off easily because it's paper mache. Instead, it's like taking a bite of beef jerky. Yes. Because that's how hard the skin has gotten at this point. And so there, in the book that I read about the life of Elmer McCurdy, there's a wonderful part where they're like, okay. Uh so this body is just hanging here. It looks fake, but this arm looks like it's real. Well shit. There's just one way to tell the truth. So the cop spreads the legs apart. Okay. And sure enough, okay. That's a penis. <laughs> that's a dead shriveled Mummified freaking dick. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. We got a real body here, people. Got a real body. But um, this is true. This is this is true. Um, so the police are there, and the police call the firefighters, and the firefighters come. But because this body's been dead a long time. It's not a rush, okay? It's yeah. not a it's not a rush. So the police and the firefighters together say, so we need to call the paramedics, right? Let's okay. fuck with them. Let's fuck with them. Let's fuck with them a little bit. Let's fuck with them. So they call them, and they go, oh, hey, paramedics, uh, this is Mike uh, Johnson uh, over at Precinct 304-24601. Uh, we're going to need you to come to the bike. At the uh, Spook House, you know what I'm talking about—the laugh in the dark. Uh, we've got a severe case of de- a severe dehydration. We need you to check out uh, over. The paramedics rush to the scene, and they're—they're they're like, uh, "Who's the who's the dehydrated person?" Oh, uh, right over here, hanging from the ceiling. Oh, wait, this isn't a this is a corpse. Oh, you guys. oh laugh! we have fun here at work this is a blast okay well we have a corpse yeah anyway let's try to identify the body so uh so they take the body down they go to identify the body at this point in time the papers are having a goddamn field day lee majors uncovers a corpse Six million dollar man halts production due to dead body on scene of show. It's all over the freaking papers. People are going nuts over this story. So uh, they go to uh, identify the body. They can't. It's over 65 years old and God knows they didn't keep uh, accurate dental records of inept train robbers from 1880. Yeah. And all the people who worked who on the spook house, they have no idea throughout the decades, people have forgotten who Elmer McCurdy was. And so no one knows who this mystery corpse was. And the media has a field day about reporting it. The LA County coroner's office is stumped. All they figure out is, uh, is so they're trying to figure it out and they're like, okay, uh, well, uh, first off, look at this incision on the chest. It's a Y incision, which is done in a way where they did that around the Civil War. So this body is has got to be pretty old. Uh, I'm not sure the cause of death, but I'm thinking there's a slight dimple here uh, on the chest. Maybe he was shot and the police and the detectives are like, okay, uh, odd coroner, you're crazy. Uh, this is probably a body from the 1910s, 1920s. He probably got the scarlet fever. You know, that's what the, that's how people died back in the day. This is probably scarlet fever. So the coroner is like, fine. How about this? We will X-ray the body. And that way, we will know. If it was scarlet fever, the lungs will be all effed up. And if it's a a bullet, then uh, we'll be able to find the bullet. So they put the body in the x-ray machine. And uh, real surprise, they see nothing. Okay, Absolutely nothing. And the cops and the detectives are like, what? What is this? What is this? And the, the coroner is like, "Okay, I think I figured this out. See? Uh, we can't see anything because the rays are the x-rays are bouncing off the body and i know why back in the day we're talking 1900, 1910 19 they stopped around 1920 but back in the early days like sometime between the civil war and 1920 uh, they started using a weird uh, uh, thing to keep the body preserved it was an embalming fluid fluid using arsenic we don't use that anymore they did that first with lincoln because lincoln died he was killed and everyone wanted to see the corpse so they needed to come up with a thing to keep the body alive for a long time so they came up with this weird concoction that's super dangerous and we don't use it anymore but that's what this is the rays are bouncing off the body because there's a ton of illegal chemicals in this body uh, uh I think we figured this out. So they pull the bullet out, and and they're like, "Okay, I don't know what bullet this is." They take it to forensics. It's a turn of the century bullet inside the corpse's chest. So um, that's how they found out that the body of uh, so 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 they know that it's an old body, and but they're still stumped. They're still stumped. This is how they find out that the body was Elmer McCurdy's. They're like, okay, we're gonna cut the entire body open. We're gonna peel the entire body out. We're gonna search this body from inch to inch. We're gonna figure this out. First thing, let me take a look at his mouth. They open his mouth to check the teeth. They find a coin from 1924, and a ton of tickets for the Museum of Crime. See, remember in the early days of Elmer McCurdy, they would pay by putting the money in the corpse's mouth. Apparently, yeah. the owners of the Museum of crime kept up the tradition and put a bunch of tickets and stuffed them in his mouth. And that's how in 1976, with the help of creepily thin, moustached lean majors, that they found out that the body of Elmer McCurdy was discovered. That's how they figured out the body of Elmer McCurdy was discovered. A guy in the 1920s shoved tickets up his mouth, and yeah. they looked inside of his mouth in 1976. So, so now they know, okay, shit, this uh, funhouse had the corpse of an old-timey Wild West uh, uh, bandit. So a bunch of funeral homes offered to bury Elmer free of charge, probably for the publicity. But well, local officials, surprisingly pulled a Joe Johnson and they said well a lot of people have come forward offering to bury Elmer free of charge but um you would just like to maybe we should wait and see maybe we can find some next of kin who can claim him and uh, no one shows up surprisingly until someone does a historical organization in Oklahoma stepped up known as the Oklahoma Westerners Indian Territory Posse, which was the local chap of a nationwide group called Westerners International. This was a massive group which studied and preserved the history of the American West. And so the Oklahoma Westerners Indian Territory Posse said, look, we're not related to Elmer. We don't have any family claims to the corpse, but look, we are an organization that preserves Wild West culture and history, and this man lived in Oklahoma. His crime spree was in Oklahoma. He died in Oklahoma. We preserve Western culture. We would like to claim the body and lay him to rest in the state of Oklahoma, where he should have been buried in 1911. So finally, in 1977, Elmer McCurdy was buried, and he was buried uh, fairly close to where I live, and I have a video. The video is cute, and my kids are in it, and Maxwell mispronounces posse, which is really cute. The, the, The sound at the end isn't perfect, but if you're listening to this, you can still listen to it. I found some great copyright free western music to play in it and i'm really proud of the video and i am going to cue that up now let me let me oh i just queued it up no no that's fine we don't need voices over i think i queued it is it running i think it is there you Posse. Posse. Hello, everybody. It's me, Reverend Steve, and we are here in Guthrie, Oklahoma. More specifically, we are here at Summit View Cemetery at the grave of Elmer McCurdy, one of the best, worst, Wild West outlaws ever. 300 people were here on April 22, 1977, to see Elmer McCurdy finally laid to rest. He was missing a number of his digits, most of his hair, uh, some of his ears. He had a difficult life after death, and when they buried him, fun fact, just to make sure he didn't go anywhere, because he did get around as a corpse. They buried him, they put him in his casket, uh, they put him underground, and just to be safe, they brought a cement truck in, and they covered it in cement. So he is down there for good. We've done a lot of shafts, but this shaft really does feel close to home because we're here, we are here. Elmer McCurdy is right here. It's very, very personal. And I've come with two bets to give to Elmer McCurdy. I'm gonna put him right here in the boot. And there you are, Elmer McCurdy. There's a lot of Wild West outlaws who have gained prominence over the years, like Billy the Kid and others. I don't know the West, but one thing I'll tell you is that he was the worst criminal with the longest career. I mean, Billy the Kid. People know Billy the Kid, but how long was he uh, a bad guy in the Wild West? This long. He lived through the 50s and 60s and 70s as a corpse. He he had a huge career. He was basically the Betty White of dangerous Wild West criminals. And you gotta tip your hat in respect to Elmer McCurdy. Back. We're back. And we're back with Steve's historic approximations. This is the end of the chap. I feel that I went above and beyond for this week's chap. It yes, consumed. It consumed every just every second of my life. The story of Elmer McCurdy. It it took it took an hour and ten minutes to drive to Guthrie, Oklahoma, the site of Bruce Nobles. Yes. Uh big fan of the podcast. Uh, yeah, went to visit the grave of Elmer McCurdy. There was a, a very old ring that was there in front of the gravestone. And Bella's like, Oh, found a ring, found a ring. And Natasha was just like, No, don't pick it up. Don't take it. That's how you get ghosts. Yes. Hey, smartest thing, smartest thing in the world. I was gonna take like the ring or maybe some change. Oh, hell no. We would have uh-huh. been haunted. We would have been haunted. Smartest thing in the world. You do not My take wife, shit from a yeah, graveyard. Don't take shit from a graveyard. Yeah. Unless you're a, a Mark Borchart in the movie American Movie. You give your girlfriend a nice flower arrangement from the cemetery that you work at. Uh, well, that's that unusual movie. that people are still leaving stuff. Yeah there was a bottle of whiskey there there was an old well, like cowboy be, yeah. there was an old cowboy boot and people were showing up and leaving change at his grave which I thought was hilarious cuz he was the spare change bandit okay you know but now that
0: implies to me that right now
1: he has fans Yes, yes. There are a number of videos on YouTube about Elmer McCurdy. I watched a I watched a lecture of a woman who dedicated her life to Elmer McCurdy uh, history. There are Elmer McCurdy historians out there. I read an entire 399-page uh, insanely researched nonfiction book about the life of Elmer McCurdy. There are really? people out there who are with Wild West and within that culture there's a subculture of people who just travel the world telling the story of Elmer McCurdy I found an old-timey uh uh folk band called um, I think it was called Heaven's Mustard or something like that anyway they have a song called The Ballad of Elmer McCurdy and it's really cute I have it on my phone right now yeah because i I've, I've I can see how there are people out there that are obsessed with this man because I spent three and a half weeks balls deep into the life of Elmer McCurdy, and goddamn, I can see how people become obsessed with this story. Yeah, yeah, Oof, this it was is, our- it is fascinating.
0: <laughs> it is fascinating from head to toe. I mean, like how how do you suck at nitroglycerin? You know? Yeah. Yeah. After having yeah. been trained by the military, I mean, you yeah. did have a skill.
1: Yeah. He was Were just horrible. You not at paying him. attention? In my mind, I imagine every time they have to rob a train being just like Owen Wilson's robbery at the end of Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Where like the old Indian guy is the safe cracker and Owen Wilson comes in to check on him and he's just sitting on the chair. What are you doing? And like like all madcap Wes Anderson-y. <laughs> yeah. This would make a great Wes Anderson film. It really would. Anyway, that's this week's chap. It was amazing.
0: It was wow. amazing. Yes. Awesome, what awesome
1: job, sh- dude. Thank you. This was incredible. I went to a grave. Yes, really you did. A chap when you've been there, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Next week, I've got two words for you. Manacled Mormon. Okay. Crazy ass story. Not as crazy as Elmer McCurdy, but that's I, next week's app. I think I know that story. Okay. Oh, yeah. it's It's, it's a bit of a popular one. Yeah but uh that's next week be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with seems historic approximations and